0: Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1.
1: Good afternoon. Today is the first sermon on this great series that we've started, Made for More. This is our spiritual emphasis campaign for those who may be visiting with us. And we are going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. I trust that you've already started reading the book of Ephesians. That is the best way that it will help you to actually be able to flow with us for the next six Sundays. And actually for the next six, week, uh, six weeks because there are daily readings, there are daily studies in that particular book that you've been requested to buy. And also buy for somebody else as we go through this uh, series made for more. We are going to have our first Bible reading and today we're looking at Ephesians chapter f- chapter 1. I will just look at chapter, uh, verse, verse 17 to 23. Uh, what, once it's on your screen, then we'll read together. All right? Thank you. Uh, let's read together. All right? Can we stand up? Yes. Thank you. All right, let's read together.
0: I keep asking that the God of our Lord Christ... The glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way.
1: Amen. That is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I want us to begin by asking ourselves this very question. Do you believe in your heart today that you are called to be part of something that is bigger than yourself? Do you believe in your heart that you're called to be something that is bigger than yourself? That is called purpose. People who don't have a purpose just do things to get by. Or they just do things every day to survive. But purpose is that ability to be part of something that is bigger than yourself. That was always God's intention for man. When he had created everything, he created man in his image so that man would represent the fullness of God in all creation and manifest God in all creation and achieve far much more than man would have ever thought or imagined. But with the fall of man, you can see him hiding behind figs things that were created for him to rule, he's hiding behind them. He begins to live for less. He begins to be almost purposeless, fighting his wife, fighting nature, looking around for small things to quarrel about, running away from God, pushing against God's plans for him. He began to live for less. But the whole purpose of salvation is that God is restoring us back to that purpose that he had from the very beginning. That when we become believers, we begin to dominate, to begin to rule, we begin to serve all creation. And when we live for less, all of creation suffers as a result of our living for too little. But the process of this restoration is not easy because we have fallen, like the worship team told us. So, it becomes a bit difficult for us to even accept that the role that we've been given. It's a journey. I remember last year at a time like this, I went to our church plant. It was is the youngest church plant. Our youngest church plant. That is the Kiambu Road Campus. And last year I went there and we were cele- they were celebrating their first year. They were still in their formation stage. Uh, quite a number of our new, a few new people. They are basically a young generation. Several of them in business, and they didn't have like much in terms of uh, what you can call a church. And then a month after that, actually less than a month, COVID hit, and all churches gatherings were closed. And in my mind, I thought this church that is still in its formative stage is going to suffer so much. I won't even be surprised if they wind down. They were facing several challenges. As a result of that. But something happened in that church, and I thank God Betty over here is one of the leaders in that particular church. Instead of closing and, and, and shutting down and feeling like there is nothing they can do, they decided that we are going to minister to those in need around this place. Because, of course, when COVID came, Several people lost their jobs, those in construction, those who are house helps going into homes to help people, they lost their jobs and there was so much need. And this church decided, whatever little we have, we are going into this community and we are going to look for people who have needs and we are going to meet those needs. And every week on Thursday, they would take care of over 180 people to 200 people on a weekly basis. Give food, give various support that there was. Yes, they were young, but they made the basic necessities for those people. People around them soon began to notice what they were doing, and they began to join them. Even the same community around, they began to give food to them. And what I thought will run out after a short while began to increase. The community around who were willing, they began to be part of that process. And through their generosity, they were able to evangelize people they would never have reached out to if there was no COVID. If it was just the usual going to church and coming in and going out. That community would never have noticed them. It would never have bothered about them and they would never have reached them. And so I was there last Sunday with a group of people from here as well, quite a good number of people from here celebrating their second anniversary and you could see the joy in this church they did not die they did not wind up in fact they were more joyful and I want to tell you this is a secret I don't think they know at some point financially and our finance director is here we actually borrowed from them in the month of October instead of us giving them we borrowed from them they did not lack they were able to meet all their needs. And so when I was there last Sunday, I noticed there were several young people, I had never seen them, around the sound system, about seven young ladies and men. And I asked them, who who are you? And they told them, when we were in need, this church reached out to us. And that's how we got to know about this church. And when we came here, they gave us an opportunity to serve. And so we are serving. These are young people. Some of them look like they were in high school, and so on and so forth. Pastor Edna there was preaching on that particular day and it was just amazing to see what God is doing, not only in this this church, but in the neighborhood. Then the Lord began to rebuke me. Why had I thought that this church will wind up or will struggle or will suffer? When we began the service, the worship team led us in this song, where they say it's not what we see or what we feel, but there is deeper inside. What had happened to me is that because of the circumstances, the church has been told to shut and no gathering, I had begun to settle for less. I had begun to judge things by what I saw and what I felt. What I didn't know is that this thing is a mystery. Deep down in it is God. And why it is a mystery, he says, those who are weak say I am strong. And those who are poor say, I am rich. So that in our weaknesses, then God does more powerful things than we would ever have thought about. In the book of Ephesians, Paul begins to unveil the extent and depth of the call on believers to manifest God in the world. Even when you feel weak, even when you feel small, even when your age is young. We begin to manifest him. Paul calls out to us. This past week, the Americans sent another. They sent another vehicle to Mars. Of course, it was an unmanned vehicle. And as I was reading all those stories of space and everything, I began to imagine myself going to Florida and asking the Americans, "Could I please get into this?" Uh, vehicle so that i can also go to Mars. i'm sure what they would have told me is you need certain qualifications and unfortunately right now you don't have them to be able to go into space so to get to go and do much more than you can do right now you need certain qualifications but it's not just qualifications because in that, in that case, case they would, they would, if I was qualified, they would have probably let me into that vehicle I go to space. But it's also about the vehicle itself. If, for example, I am qualified to go into space, I have all the education, and I go in and get into a matatu, and I pay the conductor and ask, tell him I'm going into, I want to go to the moon, they will just laugh at me because the vehicle cannot get me to the moon. It's not designed for that. Paul is addressing in the book of Ephesians about not only our qualifications to be made for more, but about the vehicle that enables us to accomplish that more. That is what we are calling you to and to walk together during this spiritual emphasis campaign. And our prayer is that you will not be the same next week when you come here, purposeless, just walking the way you are. Paul begins by giving these people the qualifications they have to be able to accomplish what they have been made for. Made for more. In chapter 1, in chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14, Paul begins by with declarations of what God has done for believers in Christ Jesus. He said you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. The believer is precious in the sight of God on the basis of what they are in Christ Jesus. The believer has been translocated from the circle of the curse and death which Adam put us in into a new circle of blessing and life. And because of that blessing, we are qualified to accomplish more. We are made for more. Paul says you're qualified. Why? Because you are chosen, not of your own accord, but you are chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You and I, of our own, we could never be blameless and holy in the sight of God. And this could not have happened before the foundation of the world. But he says we've been chosen. That is something that as mankind, we could never have done it on, in, and of ourselves. He says we've been brought into a new family. We've been brought into a new family line. The old family line was cursed. The old family line was a lion of death. But we've been brought into a new family line. We've been adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. And so our surname has changed completely. He's lavished us with amazing grace, with gifts. Lavished everything that we need for us, as members of that family. It's a story of the prodigal son who had was messed up, chaffed, fallen asleep, but he's now back home. We've been brought back into the family of God. And that is why we can achieve more than we can think or imagine. In verse 9 and 10, keep your eye on the book of Ephesians. He says he's given us insight into the mystery of God's will that he purposed in Jesus Christ. And what he will do in the future times through Jesus And how we will bring all things together again because of Jesus Christ. We believers, we have been given insight, revelation. Not only for now, but also for the future. And so when we walk in this world, we are not worried about what is happening right. Our past has been taken care of, our present is secure, our future is secure. You see, one of the reasons why there's a lot of corruption in this country is people are afraid of the future. They want, what, what will I do when I retire? I need, I need more money. What, how will I survive? But For us, we've been given. Not only where we've come from, secured, done, salvation, but we've been told where we're going. It's all said. Peter says that even angels look into these things because it's an amazing qualification that God has given us. Paul goes on in verse 13 and 14 and says, we, for an, we've, been, we've been given an eternal inheritance not of our own effort and held on to by our own effort, but guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. So no one can take it away from us. An eternal inheritance, that is who we are. And now the verse we read, Paul goes on now to tell us about the vehicle that will take us to this destination to enable us to do far much more than we probably are even doing right now. Because when you're in Christ, you begin to see more and more and more, and the more you go into it, the more you know. And that is why the Bible says the more you have, the more you will receive. Because you go into it, you learn more, and you go into it. It's just like school. You learn one plus one, it enables you to learn two plus two. If you refuse to learn what is one plus one, you will not know what is twelve plus one. When we go more, we realize there is so much more. We are made for more. And so from verse 17, Paul says, he's asking God, he says, I keep asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may, you might grow in your knowledge of God. Paul is saying, yes, you've been born again, but you need wisdom. You need revelation. Because these are things that you need to see. Because we are coming from a place where we had fallen, where we were chaffled. And he's saying for you to understand your new position and to understand the vehicle you are in. And how much you can accomplish in the place you are in and in whom you are in. He says, I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you will understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Three things there that Paul mentioned that qualify us to do more. Paul is saying that there is a hope that we've been called to. A confident hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ which makes certain our own resurrection resurrection life. Our life is not just about here. We have a purpose far greater than our lives here. And we are calling people to a purpose far greater than our lives here. It's not just about food and what we eat today and tomorrow and how we survive. No, it is far much more because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of this hope, our faith is not in vain, Paul is saying here. Because of this hope, our efforts are not in vain. Because the very life of Jesus Christ is alive in us. Because of this life of Jesus Christ that is alive in us, we live a true life which cannot be in vain because of this life that, has not, that, just, that does not just begin now in the now, but carries on to eternity. And that life unlocks the potential of what it means to walk in God's power. We have a hope. Paul goes on to tell us that we have an inheritance oh we are are an inheritance not we have an inheritance that was earlier we are an inheritance not only do we have an inheritance that was mentioned much earlier in verse 1 to 14 but we are an inheritance we ourselves are God's inheritance God has an inheritance in us verse 18 God sees when he looks at us he sees his valuable inheritance a treasure that has been handed over to him in Jesus Christ saved in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus had to leave heaven and to come here because of God's value for you and for me, woman and man, child and old person. He values us so much that we are in his his inheritance. He looks and he delights in us when he looks at us through Jesus Christ. It does not matter how messed up you are, how chaffy you are, how much you had fallen. We are precious to him in in the old testament the bible says that whenever whoever touches the 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 the, the, the people of god touches the apple of his eye the apple of your eye the most sensitive part so to speak if anyone wants to touch your eye you'll find a way of protecting yourself or even dealing with that person god is saying you're so precious to him you're such an inheritance to him that he will not allow you to live for less but to be what you are supposed to be you know some people think that they can get to God and can find their identity through being good and therefore God will accept them because they are good and then they can be able to do God's work. The problem with that is when the data of sin begins to come because we are fallen being, then your, if your image is based on how good you are, how moral you are, then you are down. You are done. Because the Bible in this very book in chapter 6, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You and I as human beings, we cannot manage against those powers. And that is why Paul in the book of Romans chapter 7 verse 18, he says, the good I want to do, I do not do, because of the power of sin. And so God is calling us to something that is far beyond us. And we can be able to accomplish this not because we are strong, not because we are good, but because of God. We are the inheritance of God. You know, in the book of Exodus, chapter 39, verse 6 to 7, when Moses instructed Aaron how to make the priests coming, he made an effort. And when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, on the breastplate of that effort were these precious stones. And on those precious stones was inscribed the names of the tribe of Israel. And so the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and bear before God the names of the tribe of Israel. And God would look at it and he would be pleased. And he told the Israelites, I have chosen you not because you are big or you are strong. I have chosen you, not because you're holy, but in fact you're a stiff necked people. I have called you to myself by my own sovereignty. You are my inheritance. In the New Testament, it is so categorical that Jesus is the high priest. And when you and I accept him as Lord and Savior, not only are our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but our names are written on the heart of Jesus. And so Jesus on that breastplate with our names written, we go, he goes before the Father as the high priest daily, not once a year. Every hour he's before the Father, not only praying for us, but bearing our names before God the Father. And so God the Father looks at this person here, he looks at Judy here, and he's he's looking at this precious, much more precious than anything you can think of, that he would send his own son to die for in order to redeem and bear before him. You and I are that. And so when you walk into that office, you cannot walk as an ordinary person. Yes, you may look like an ordinary person. When you walk into that college, you cannot go into that college as an ordinary person. When you go into your home, you cannot go into your home just like any other person. You are precious in the sight of the Lord. In fact, in the Old Testament, he says he sings and dances over you. He rejoices over his inheritance. That is who we are. Paul verse 19 he goes on to say I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler of any authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in the world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Jesus and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. He is made, It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things, everything with himself. From verse 19 to verse 23, Paul is now talking about power. I could only imagine that shuttle taking off from the earth and the power that it had that Amatatu cannot have. He's saying that, he's praying that we may see the immeasurable power of God towards us. That is what I didn't see when I was sitting on Kiambu Road Campus. The immeasurable power that was at work in that particular church. The incomparable greatness of God's power for us who believe. His power is at work towards us, in us, and through us. That is what happened to Kiambu Road Campus. The power of God was in them. Not the things I could see, not the things I could feel, but the deep things that were happening in them. And these are the deep things that happen in us as God's people. In verse 19, he calls us for the same. You see, that's why we cannot settle for less. That's why we are made for more, my brothers and sisters. And that's why we are calling you to walk with us on this series as we go along, studying the book of Ephesians and understanding God's mind for us. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 when Jesus is sending out his disciples he says and lo and behold I am always with you he's not just sent us and leave us alone he sent us and he's with us every day everywhere Paul goes on in to declare that God's power is most exemplified in verse 20 in his raising Christ from the dead the last enemy death what we fear most we've just talked about death that the last one week Death of our loved ones, even Pastangare losing his own sister. That's what he was supposed to be preaching here, but he couldn't. This is the last enemy who cannot do nothing, nothing about it. But God, the, the, Paul tells us that the power of God is such that it raises Christ from the dead. And in raising Christ from the dead, he will also raise us from the dead. God's power is such that it's of such surpassing worth that he raised him from the dead. That is the power that is available to you and I, that's our vehicle to accomplish far much more than we could ever think or imagine. This power is so rich, Paul says, from verse 19 to 23. It's so rich in wonder and might, that by the same power, God did not only raise Christ from the dead, but he brought him into the ultimate honor, sitting him at the right hand of God, and putting him in authority over all things in heaven and on earth. Basically everything. He goes on to say in verse 20 that it is by this power that not only God did raise Christ from the dead and put him in honor, but he placed at Jesus' feet every hostile being, every supernatural force that would try to thwart the working of the living God or the outworking of God through you and I, he put it under the feet of Jesus Christ. Anything that would contend for the supremacy of Jesus Christ, God has subjected them to the feet of Christ raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in honor, and put all powers, even the ones I read about in chapter 6, the powers of darkness, the principalities, he puts them under the feet of Jesus Christ. No witch doctor, no, other, no magic can work against you and I who believe in Jesus Christ. We are made for more, my brothers and sisters, and nothing can stop us. By that power, he gave Jesus Christ a name above every other name. That's what it says in verse 20, 20 21. There is no name beside his name. No name in the past. No name in the present. No name in the future. All other authorities are inferior to him. Such that when we call on that name as believers, we to walk in the victory of that name. When we call on that name as believers, we to share in that glory. When we walk and we call on that name and are called by that name, we walk in that same status. As the body of Jesus Christ. That's what verse 21 says. Verse 22 and verse 23 says God placed everything under his feet for the benefit of the church. And he made Jesus the head of that church. He is the head of his body. We are not aimless, my brothers and sisters. We have Christ who has gone ahead of us. The head of the body. The cosmic lordship of Jesus is for the benefit of the church. The word head here means he is both the leader and the source. Which means he not only leads us where we need to go, but he also energizes us on our way. We are corporately interwoven in this body in Jesus Christ. That is what I did not see when I was, on, when I was, when I was thinking about Kiamu Campus earlier. About this Lord who is not only leader of his church, even in times when things are thick like COVID and all that stuff, when we feel we are weak, he's not only the leader, but he's the source. This is the same God who walks with you if you're called by his name. Who will not only lead you in these coming days, in this week, but he will source you to do whatever he wants you to do. Will you settle for less? Because you're made for more. Those united with Jesus Christ together become the fullness of Him who fills everything completely. That's what Paul is telling us in Ephesians chapter 1. Christ is the fullness of all filling God. And the church is the fullness of all filling Christ. If I were to pour water here, like I said earlier, the water will fill every part of this podium. That's what we are as believers. That's why we are in the military, that's why we're in the judiciary. That's why we're in government. That's why we're in schools. That's why we're in colleges. That's why some of us are housewives and stay-home mothers. We are everywhere to feel the fullness of God wherever he has put us. Because we represent and we manifest God made in the image of God in the new salvation that he has given to us. The Bible is saying that the believers are fully endowed with the power of God working both for us and in us and through us that we may represent God and manifest Jesus Christ in the world. The fullness of God who fills everything in every way, everywhere, and at all times in all creation. So, wherever you are, people will come to the Lord because of you. Because you will introduce them to the Lord. They will know this is how Jesus behaves, this is who Jesus is. That we are believers, we are filling and saturating every place, every crevice of culture, every place of Society and creation with Christ's presence and power. Jesus is present everywhere and fills everything. And we carry that fullness into society. What a privilege we have. You and I cannot wake up any single day not knowing that we have a purpose in this world. No, we are not useless. We have such a calling. We have such a task. That we cannot waste our time and our days thinking and doing nothing quarreling with one another stealing and fighting no because you see my brothers and sisters the church is not a building it is the body i remember there was a, a function that was being held by one of us here it was on media uh, in one of the media uh, stations and it was a leadership training and the lady who was leading this One of the persons who was there, it was mainly for business people, but one of the persons who was there is a pastor who is also a business person. And this lady asked that pastor, in fact, she she was a pastor, she interviewed him first. She asked him, why is it that during COVID, the church was not considered an essential service? And the pastor looked at her and he said, we, this pastor, he told her this was a health issue. But we are there in the health sector. We have hospitals. And we've been there for people who are indeed. We are everywhere. Shut the churches, close the churches, close the doors. We are there. The power of God working in and through us. The church is not a program. We didn't have Sunday school over here. But Sunday school was being held at homes. My own parents back in Western. They, they couldn't go to church because of their age. They still can't go. But guess what? They gather everybody in their compound and they have church in their house. And one of the persons over there, my father tells me, who he never thought could preach, has almost become a pastor. And they gather their offering and take it during the week to the church. We are everywhere. We cannot be stopped. We are made for more. The people of God, saved by the power of God, for the purpose of God, through the power of God. Paul envisions a church centered on Christ and powered by Christ, conveying the will and presence of Jesus into every part and corner of society. That is the glorious role that you and I have been called to in this process of restoration, redemption, and reconciliation of all things. So you cannot walk around and go doing things looking down. No. We are much more than that. We are too good for that. What does this matter? It means that as believers, we cannot settle for less. We are made for more. How will we respond? As believers, we must not settle for little. By limiting God and his working the way I did on Campbell Road Campus, limiting God and his working in and through us, it becomes counterproductive, not only for us as human beings, but for all creation like we saw for Adam. That, my brothers and sisters, is what Jesus gave his life for. For this union that would multiply in the world that he came to reconcile. So that one day the whole world may know his fullness through his people. You and I. The fullness of Christ cannot be experienced through the church if any of you as part of the church of Jesus Christ have not given yourself over to this glorious calling upon your life. It cannot be. You cannot just live for yourself. You cannot just live for your neighborhood. Our world is big. Our call is big. So we must ask ourselves today as we are called for more, where have I settled? Where have I told myself in my life that that thing is too big? If you're in business and you're in business for the Lord, where have you said this is impossible? You're in school and you're saying I can't achieve this. W- where, where did you hear that? The word of God is telling us a totally different story. We are made for more. And my prayer is that no one will come back here next week. How doing the same thing you did last week or being the same person you did you were last week? But there will be a difference, there will be a change. Today, my brothers, is the day we change our tune so that God can be God. So that we can be who we were designed for and created for, made for more. So over the next few weeks, six weeks, we are requesting you to spend intentionally time studying the book and the book of Ephesians. There are daily devotions in that book that we are asking you to go through that you may understand who you are it may take about one hour of preparation or more, as you discuss, also in your small groups, in your community life groups. If you don't have one, please join one, so that you can encourage one another. And as you do so, please remember to tell us some of the things that God is starting in your heart, so that we can pray for you, so that we can walk with you. Yesterday, in this very place, we had several leaders of this church just among you, who were here yesterday. And the whole thing, the reason they were meeting yesterday is basically to ask themselves this question. How can we do more in order to fill the world with the fullness of him who fills everything in every way? And as Judy comes to close, I want to ask those of you who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want to tell you you're missing out. And even though you may pretend to be made for more, a day comes when that thing called death comes, And everything you have just goes to waste. But you can be far much more because of Jesus Christ.